This is Dan McCarthy, and you're listening to the Check-In Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. My guest for this episode is Kristen Karst, the co-founder of River Cruise Company, Ama Waterways. Now, River Cruise Companies are still very much dealing with COVID's fallout, just like every other travel supplier. But I want to say I imagine when demand is fully and completely unleashed that they are going to experience a renaissance in interest because of how unique the segment is and how well the segment fits into people's bucket lists. There was a quote I heard recently that said it's never too late until it is, and I've been doing my best to keep that in my own head as this world continues to open up post-COVID and opportunities to live life keep coming around. Having that quote in my head while I was speaking with Kristen with her history really reinforced that bucket list mentality in me, and I really think I'm not the only one to have that sentiment. I think that's something that's grown in people during the last 16 months or so, and it's going to be a boom for these big bucket list segments, including river cruises. During the conversation, we don't discuss a ton of river cruise topics, but Kristen does take us through how AMA is making its way back into service. And I wanted to just talk about how unique this segment is before I introduce Kristen today. The best way I can describe it is that on a river cruise, the destination isn't what's on the ship, but it's what what's on both sides of you as you sail down the river. You just see this incredible amount of life built up around you. And I told Kristen in this episode that when I was fortunate enough to experience it for myself, it felt like a dream. And that's not really hyperbole. I remember sitting on the deck and seeing us slowly pass by all these sites and valleys, these giant European summer festivals, these medieval castles and marks from the Second World War, all this life and all this history that otherwise might have gone unnoticed. There's moments when you're amazed by what you're seeing in front of you, and those are the moments that I think really stick with you throughout your life when you sort of gaze through your memories. Um, American baseball fans will talk about that kind of moment when they first saw Big League Field for the first time. I know others who will talk about that when they when they remember going to the Grand Canyon for the first time on a family road trip and sort of looking out on the whole horizon. Some might say the same about the first time they were able to look out the window on an airplane. And I want to say I definitely had that kind of feeling on the on the first river cruise I ever experienced. I've been lucky enough to speak to Kristen a number of times over the over the years and her and Rudy Schreiner, they've always been two of the standout people in the travel industry. Now, it's not just the knowledge they have of the world of the world rivers of the drafts you need on ships on how to sail on low water levels. But it's the care they put into their decisions and the incredible amount of care they put into each and every conversation they have with their colleagues, with their guests, and with the crew members on board. Kristen is incredibly thoughtful and charming, and her ability, along with the ability of the rest of the AMA team, to connect with their guests and their partners is what makes the company feel like a family. And it really does feel like a family. That time I spent on board an AMA ship felt like I was attending this quasi family reunion. And again, that is something that's just incredibly unique to me. Kristen was extremely forthcoming and honest in the interview. She speaks about her time growing up in Eastern Europe pre the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. She talks about how she got into travel, how she educated herself throughout her years and her love of the industry and her love of the world. She talks about what she is most looking forward to over the next year, including reconnecting with family members, which is a sentiment we can all share. Now, I just want to put a warning out for all listeners. Um, at one point during the interview, the New York State alarm system went off on my phone because the heat here in New York City was about 100 degrees on that day. And, and we were 
acts to reduce our electricity capacity during the day. So you might have a small interruption, but hopefully it's all a part of the magic of editing and we can do our best to cut some of it out. Um, I want to thank Kristen for taking the time to speak with me. I know how busy she is with Alma Waterways and with the return to service, but I really did thoroughly enjoy talking to her and I hope you enjoy the conversation as well. So let's check in with Kristen. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Kristen. It's very nice to see you. Yeah, when was the last time? Maybe two years? <laughs> yeah, I can. It was, I think we spoke, we spoke earlier in the pandemic, but I haven't seen you in person. I don't, I don't think no, maybe 2019. And I think the last time I saw you was the questioning of the Amamora, I believe, right? In yeah. summer 19. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you remembered. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was the last time. That was in Amsterdam. It started in Amsterdam, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how have you been? How was that for you? I've been good. I've been I've, I've been good. I've been healthy. I think that's probably the most important thing. Um, yeah. and my family's been healthy, which is all, yeah. always uh, of, of most importance too. But yeah, I'm in New York, so uh, things are starting to get back to nor normal here. The tourists are starting to come back, uh, which is nice to see. Yeah, what about you? You're in California, correct? Yes, I'm still in California. Um, we actually just finished our anniversary sip and sale event tomorrow actually july 1st is our 19th company anniversary with ama waterways so the night from june 30 to july 1st uh, we incorporated ama waterways in 2002 and so now of course it's perfect timing because on july 3 we start with our very first cruise again in Europe uh, on the Doro, the Amadoro. So the cruise manager today welcomed many guests for the pre-land program before the cruise starts. And uh, and he had tears. I mean, we all had tears in our eyes. It's such a wonderful way to rejoin. And um, so we are dancing the happy dance. And then I'm leaving for Europe next week and I will open the season in France. I will be on Ama Christina. July 22, the ship starts in Avignon on the Rhone. And the same week, we open on the Amalura on the Seine River. And then the week later in Bordeaux on board the Ama Dolce. And Rudy will be on Ama Magna, July 21st, to, to open the season on the Danube. And then, of course, we have two questionings coming up on the Rhine. I mean, yeah. We were busy building ships, so Ama Siena and Ama Lucia are coming in late August. We do the questionings, and from there we go to Egypt because the Amadalia, our brand new ship for the Nile River, is in the final construction, and that will be the maiden voyage starting on September 6th. Lots going on right now. <laughs> yeah, that that I mean, it has to be relief though after after spending last summer with no with very little plans. I assume to have all these plans in the works and to be looking at a full schedule. I I mean, I know a lot of people, even who love to travel, will get overwhelmed by that kind of schedule. But it has to be exciting for you. Yeah, no, no, it was actually it was quite a year. It was a busy year, but it was a different year. And you said in the beginning. You know, you kept healthy, we kept healthy. We were actually able to do a little bit more for our health by taking an hour per day, you know, to either go swimming or walking or doing the exercises that we all need. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, so so that that was all fantastic. A lot of thinking, you know, um, how do we push everything forward? But now it all comes together, you know, and and that's the part that we can almost touch it now, right? I mean, it gets the reality is coming back, yeah. Yeah. So, is this the longest you've spent outside of Europe since I guess you moved over yeah. here? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it is the longest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're from Dresden, is that correct? I'm from Dresden, from the Elbe River in Germany. Okay. Yes, that's right too. Okay. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, um, when I go over there, obviously I open the season in France, but I also will see my family. It's my dad's 88th birthday, and um, we will go on the Elbe with one of the nostalgic, nostalgic pedal wheelers, right? Because that's the way how I grew up. My family and I, we will enjoy a nice, nice day trip, boat trip uh, on the Elbe again. Now that that river is difficult to sail. Is that what I read? The Elbe is totally difficult to sail because of the water levels there? Because of the water levels, of course, up and down. It, it can quickly go high. It can quickly go low, right? Okay. And that is, I don't know if you know, but when we created the Amma Christina, first we wanted to bring this ship to the Elbe River. And then at one point, we decided, no, with the global warming, with the climate change, it doesn't make sense. And it's good we didn't, because okay. really all these years have been difficult. But the day boats, the paddle wheelers, I mean, <laughs> they, they can definitely uh, do quite something. Yeah. 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 It is, it is an interesting experience. And congrats. I mean, I'm sure you're anxious to see your family, too. And uh, yeah to get oh, yeah. back to Dresden. I'm curious, because yeah. we hear Dresden sort of a big part of US history. Like when we read history books in high school, I remember learning about Dresden. And what what was it like growing up in Dresden? Like was there was there like this significant legacy, like historical legacy there in the in the in the city? Because I know we talk about it in the terms of World War Two in like US yeah. history, but I'm curious, yeah. like, what was it like growing up there look i mean the way i grew up obviously i didn't know anything else but i grew up in a very very happy family there was a lot of social support uh i mean we we had everything i think there is a, a little bit of a different perception when you many people from the outside think uh it was a dark area it wasn't dark at all i mean i had a beautiful childhood my parents my mom was a teacher my dad was a forest engineer you know they had probably more time for us then than many parents have today for their children there wasn't the peer pressure obviously we didn't have these branded jeans or you know where we would as as kids today when we moved to california my daughter was five i felt she had so much more peer pressure here than than <laughs> i ever had yeah. <laughs> so so no, uh, obviously um you know we had everything and if we didn't have uh, the pineapple and you know the oranges all the time but only at certain times we had the apples and uh, and and always the local and the seasonal food and it stuns me all the time we go back actually to these things uh because today we all say sustainability means we should only eat fruit of the season right okay, and not yeah. all this what's imported and you have to wash it five times because yeah. it was treated yeah. with so many things we didn't have it. It was mm, a lot of things were handmade, homegrown, and just very good. Obviously, the only thing that we didn't have was um, the travel benefit, because in Eastern Germany, you could travel to the Eastern side, 
Okay. So I was able to see the big Soviet Union then, all the different states there. I was able to see at an early age, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, all of this, but we couldn't travel to the other side. So when the border opened up after 89, we were pretty, pretty adventurous. I, I was a student then, and I would go with my friends every weekend, you know, to a different capital in Europe, just because we had so much of a desire to see the other part of the world. Wow, that, yeah, I didn't even think about that when I was, I, I, I don't know, for some reason that it slipped my mind that it was, it was, it was completely different Western and Eastern Europe at that time. Other than that, Dresden is, of course, a beautiful city. It goes back to the 17th century. The kings there and the dynasty. And, and of course, whenever a city has been built on both sides of the river, similar to Budapest or Prague, and they are all in, in, in former Eastern Europe, right? When you say mm -hmm. it like this, those cities are gorgeous and beautiful. There are castles, there are churches, cathedrals. There is so much history and architecture that obviously in Dresden part was destroyed in World War II, but it was all so nicely redone again. So it is... One of the most, it is actually the most beautiful city in, in Germany today again. Okay, I'll take, I, I haven't been to Dresden, but I, I promise I'll take your word for it. I think I spent some time in Berlin when I was in college. We did a little tour of Europe, so I spent a couple of days in Berlin. Um, and Berlin is great. Of yeah. course, on the political side, it's, uh, it's the capital now. It also yeah. has the eastern and the western part, but Berlin is big. It's yeah. also, there was lots of construction going on, all of this. Dresden is much smaller, so you can walk it like Prague. You can walk through the city in a day, right? And and oh, wow. see all the different things. And that makes it really, really so lovely. Mm -hmm. Well, I really, well, I'm glad you're getting to go back to back there after such a long, a lo what seems like a long absence. Um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I can't imagine my family's all in New York. And I mean, mm -hmm. we had to avoid each other at the beginning of the pandemic. But eventually, yeah. I guess you get a little more comfortable. Of course. And yeah, uh, yeah so I, I mean, I, I do not envy the people who couldn't see their family during the pandemic um yeah it's such yeah. an important thing yeah no you you look happy so yeah. that's, that's nice <laughs> so uh, you you studied hospitality when you were at when you were at university too didn't you your your goal was to get into the travel industry one way or another yeah absolutely i mean at age 14 or 16 um, I actually started to work in the then local or government travel agency always in my school breaks um, because I see my mom, she was a Russian language teacher and as such, she got uh, the opportunity to be a tour guide to travel to uh, the former Soviet Union, Russia, and she took my brother and me and of course my dad on these trips from an early age on. So that's when I fell in love, not just with day boats and, and the Elba and the river, mm -hmm. but really with travel. And uh, so I always wanted to venture out into this world and um, tourism, obviously in former Eastern Germany, there was a small part of incoming tourism. Yeah, but we couldn't travel out. And there was one group per year that was able to study travel and hospitality, to work later, you know, with the German airline or in the hotel business, uh, in the government travel agency or so. And, and so good grades uh, were very important, actually exceptional grades were very important then, but that wasn't enough. 
So you really had to show your involvement and your dedication. And that's what I did by working always in my school breaks there, helping like, of course, like a 16 year old can do, you know, you are, you're basically the goof for everything, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you learn everything in every department from the ground. And so then um, I, they, they gave me a nice letter and that landed me actually uh, a place in this small group, only 12 people per year, they're able to study um, travel and hospitality um, in, in an advanced way, yeah? And so I was one of those. And when I graduated, I um, got the opportunity first to stay at the university, believe it or not, you were able to do your PhD in travel and hospitality there. Oh, wow. So I wanted to pursue this first. However, um, then 89 came and everything changed and the professors at the university uh, were also laid off or there was a whole change. So we didn't have a mentor anymore, all of this. And then American Express came in and they opened their very first travel agency after World War II in the East in Dresden again. So I thought, okay, that isn't a bad place, actually. Maybe I should send them my resume, and I did. <laughs> Got called to an interview, actually, to Berlin. I took the next train, train to Berlin, uh, and the next week uh, I got hired and started there to become the manager of the leisure department. And that was an exciting time. American Express, of course, had both the business travel and leisure travel then was very small. But, you know, people in Eastern Germany now, they suddenly were able to travel, but they wouldn't trust their local travel agencies. They would trust the name American Express, you know, as the company. So we had, so so we had, we really were growing very fast um, in both the leisure department as well as the business department, because so many companies came in, um, Mercedes, IBM, you know, all of these. And there was a lot of business trouble when it came to flying, rental car, hotels, uh, incentives, um, conventions, and so on. So great times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned 89, you mentioned it a couple of times. And I, I just, I don't, I don't want to make you tell me the whole story about 89 because I understand the history. But what was the feeling like when that was happening, when that was going through the process in Germany? Was it a celebration? Like you mentioned people were trustworthy of American Express and these sort of westernized brands coming in, but was it a celebration and was it was it a big event in Dresden and in Germany? Um, well, I wasn't in Berlin when it happened. I went there two days later. I would say, of course, it was the biggest celebration in Berlin okay. um, yeah. because that was where, where the, the whole action was. Um, there was a celebration all over, but of course there's always both sides, right? Yeah. Um, and it was mostly the younger generation that celebrated it a lot because suddenly the world was open for the younger ones to travel, but also to grow, you know, in their life, in their career, in, in all of these things, opportunities, right? For the older ones, maybe it was a little bit different uh, because um, a lot of older people lost their jobs. And with this change suddenly also came, you had to take care of yourself and of your own destiny much more than what it was before. Before pretty much the government did everything for you, right? <laughs> there wasn't much, people were not really educated to take control of things. 
and to run things and to be innovative, right? Yeah. There was this big middle class. And so, so to be a free spirit thinker was not good necessarily then and wasn't rewarded then. Uh, but it was after, after the wall came down. So all the ones that were a little bit put into a corsage before and now could venture out had the greatest time, <laughs> including myself, right? Um, all the ones who needed to be told what to do and were not really able to make decisions on their own and to see certain things, they had a very hard time. Um, but eventually, you know, it all leveled out. And of course, today, you cannot see the difference anymore and so on. But, you know, it's, uh, there, there, was, there was quite a few years. And I think there was also between Eastern and German and Western Germany, there was a lot of tension going. Even so, in the beginning, there was joy on both sides. Later came tension, okay. right? People could take other could take something away from the other and so on but today everything is fine and I think the biggest thing what we can take out of it is it was a peaceful revolution there wasn't any blood right and that's not the case in every country when these things are happening it is interesting to have that kind of personal history like you have and I can't it definitely it feels like it's gone away from from shaping you the way you are and the way way you sort of uh, conduct yourself now. I mean, I think everyone's personal history is a part of their personality, but it seems it, like you, uh, you in particular. It is, you know, you never take things for, for granted. Yeah. I mean, you, you will always enjoy every moment in life because, you know, uh, things can be a little bit different. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but I also, now that I have traveled the world, I think my perspective has broadened in a way that here in the U.S. or North America, we are one of a kind. How many people in this world can really travel? Not that the borders are closed. Now, we felt this now in the COVID times, what it means when borders are closed, right? Yeah. So it wasn't any different from my time in Eastern Germany then, right? <laughs> Let's say it like um, a lot of people don't have the means to travel and grew up being very, very in, in, in very poor um, circumstances. And then, of course, politically, if you can travel or not, you still cannot in a way. So, so that definitely also helps to see the right perspectives. And I always uh, say to Rudy, uh, obviously I'm joking, but whatever would happen in the world, I could always go back and do camping. <laughs> the way I have done it when I was 16, 17, 18, 19 years, right? And I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I wouldn't mind going back to the camping ground, but obviously it's nice <laughs> to be in a beautiful hotel with a swimming pool as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you mentioned Rudy and like the, you, you just mentioned the, the experience in 89 and growing up in Dresden. And I, I mean, just thinking back to me being in the travel industry, Ama has been through a lot, not only through COVID, but there was the 2019 fires sort of displaced the company for a little bit too. So it seems that Ama's continuously had to be resilient and had to be able to sort of put things in perspective and deal with the unexpected things constantly. Is that a, is that, would that be something uh, correct to say? Absolutely correct. And not just the fires, right? I mean, in travel, we have gone through so many things, the terrorism, um, you know, 2008, 9 economical turndowns. 
because see when we started the company um that was right after um after 9-11 in a way the war with iraq sars the first sars was then yeah. so we started the company at a very diff difficult time but we knew when we saw the pent-up demand coming so we knew every time something would happen again there will be a lot of pent-up demand so we always saved for the rainy day we never went overboard we grew very methodically right yeah. always quality over quantity strategically very well aligned because we knew things can happen easily but then that's why we never gave up we know whatever's down there comes a next tomorrow a new tomorrow and i believe when we were when we grew as a company and we hired a lot of new people rudy and i took it on ourselves to always do the introduction to the company for the new hire class so that they learn about our history our culture that you know most important is when all the phones are ringing we all take the phones right <laughs> we all can do reservations when 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 okay. it needs to be done right yeah so this very hands-on approach that not so many companies maybe have today when when there is a lot of hierarchy we don't have it we always say we work with each other um we work and not you know we, we we don't have these so much and and that's what our people enjoy yeah that we all have one goal and at the same time i always feel very fortunate that we were able and are able to surround us with people maybe they are drawn this way to us people who are little entrepreneurs themselves have the same core values and the same genuine approach and are driven and want to grow, but not in a prima donna way, <laughs> but they want to grow in a very genuine way. Yeah. And, and that's the natural growth that usually happens with people in a company. And uh, yeah, and then of course they can understand the young ones much better again. And nobody can tell us how hard it is here and there because we have all done it ourselves. So there is this mutual yeah. respect that, that is just there. Yeah, even when I was on board with, I was fortunate enough to be on board with you and Rudy. It it it, it just seemed like, it, if you mentioned it was the culture, but there just seemed to be a level of kindness and thoughtfulness in every single interaction I had with. It was whether it was with you or Rudy, or whether it was with with someone on board serving or any anybody on board. It seemed like there was this there was this company culture that sort of soaked through everything. And that's what I was curious about. I mean, you mentioned how you mentioned it was part of the hiring process, but it, it is a conscious choice to sort of promote that kind of culture and to make sure people interact with each other and with guests in that way. Yeah. And, and I always say we always grow by our own mistakes, right? Yeah. So if something is happening, you know, nobody should yell, uh, you know, there is, it's nobody's fault in a way. We should all learn from what happened and be kind to each other. And because I know our crew members, there are so many gentle acts of kindness they do for our guests on board on a daily basis. And, you know, they do it even so maybe nobody sees it, right? Or the boss is not just there also. They do it because they want to do it, right? Yeah. And and I think that's exactly what we want, um, that that we have these kind of people on board and that that they feel they have our utmost respect and um, we have theirs. And again, 
we have one goal and the goal is the happiness of our customer and the successful company this way. We were not money driven in the beginning when we started a company. We started a company because we wanted to create something, you know, the, the best Robocruz experience, something that we would want to do and, and enjoy. Um, and the money came later, right? But it yeah. wasn't and still isn't today um, the biggest purpose to create a company. And, and I think everyone is really on the same page. And Udi says always, most important is when you are on a job that you have fun. And we should always give ourselves the space to have fun, no matter where we are. If you don't have fun, we will leave it at one point and the clients will see it. And, uh, and that's, that's how, how it is, how it was in the beginning and how it is today. And the rest, I have to say, the kindness, my parents, I, I want to go back to my parents. They were very instrumental in the way they raised my brother and me uh, with lots of respect, yeah? And so were our teachers at school, all of this. So I grew up in a very, very kind environment where everyone respected the other one. And, and that's just natural that it, it, it continued all the way. And we also have a lot of employees on board, the crew members, they come from Eastern Europe. So, you know, and Eastern Europe, um, even then I mentioned Eastern and Western Germany, uh, but the Eastern ones were always, not always, but so often treated as second class, but they can be sometimes smarter. Okay. The, education, the education was, really, really second to none. We had an excellent education. All these countries had a wonderful education, but then just the opportunities were not there. And so that's why when I see these crew members and I know how good they are, you know, again, I want to pay my respect because they don't deserve to be treated as a second class, never ever. You know, we are all human beings and we are all the same. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 is incredibly interesting too. That the sort of the legacy of his his history has sort of transformed the way people treat each other is is incredibly interesting to me. And I, I you I wanted to ask you because you you speak about Ama and you speak about river cruising with such passion. I was I was curious. Do you remember your first time on a river cruise ship? And do you remember sort of what you felt or or what the experience was like when you got on board? Yeah, so not the day boats, right? Not the My first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was actually on the Danube. Um, my very first river cruise. Obviously, it was after '89. It was way after '89. Uh, I did other trips before. Uh, for me, it felt like, my God, this is the greatest thing because you are cruising. You are seeing so much. You are um, cruising from border to border through all the different countries. You know, you don't have to use the train. You don't have to fly. You don't have to think about the logistics. You can read a book on the sun deck. Uh, you can see the fishermen. You can see the birds. Uh, all of this, I, I felt it, it was the most amazing concept. And obviously, we all knew 20 years ago or so, river cruising was considered something for older people. When I cruised first on the river, I was probably 30 something years old, right? That is young, <laughs> very young. And I fell in love already then with it. So that's why that actually was part of it, why I felt we need to break through this uh, perception that river cruising is something for old people only. 
when I enjoy it, then all the other young people can enjoy it too. But we had to make some changes. So that's when we started our company. What is needed in order to change, change this perception? And so the bicycles were the first thing we brought on board. You know, uh, the free internet was part of it too, because that was the time of the internet cafes. But as a, as a guest on board, how can you enjoy shore excursions when you go off the ship in order to look for an internet cafe because yeah. you have to be connected, right? So yeah. you just cannot enjoy it. So the internet was the next we brought on board. And of course, with our compliments that the customers didn't have to worry about this. The next was, you know, when people meet each other, become friends on board, they want to share a glass of wine with each other, but it doesn't create the best atmosphere when they always check, okay, today I paid, tomorrow you paid and so on. So why don't we include this? And wine is a culture, it opens conversation. And again, everyone has fun. And so this is how we were starting with having local, really good wines for dinner first. And then later lunch became part of it too. And then later our complimentary sip and sail hour. So that was all a development process. And when I look today at all the other river cruise lines, how they have developed, uh, I'm very proud to say that many, many took over our concepts because it worked. Yeah. And uh, I think that that was very flattering for us. Mm. Yeah, that's what they say. Uh, Imitation is a sign of flattery. So you should be flattered. And I mean, I have to say I, that was my first experience when I was lucky enough to come on board on a river cruise. And it just felt like it just felt like a dream. It didn't even feel real to be able to see Europe and just being so comfortable in just being able to see the countries roll by. It didn't it seemed it seemed just something that was out of out of a book or out of a movie that I would never get to experience. And just be, just sit, being able to sit on the deck and not do anything was just such such a privilege. I, I couldn't believe it. So it's, it is a segment that I recommend to almost everybody I talk to now, people who people who are very anxious to get back to Europe. I usually tell them the best way you could see Europe is on a riverboat. Absolutely. And obviously, there are so many, so many young people, I mean, they read about all the stories in school books, right? Or of course, online today. But the best is really to see with your own set of eyes, what where your grandfather was born, right? And what they experienced and, uh, and to be part of it to take it all in to, to really feel well, I mean, he lived maybe 100 years ago, but that's me today 100 years later, right? That's, that's how I actually felt the same with the pandemic. I said, well, 100 years ago, there was the Spanish flu. And what yeah. did the people really think about? And, and what did they go through? And was it as bad or not? And then we all know came the golden 20s afterwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully hopefully we're entering into another roaring 20s too i hope i think this i mean it, you're mentioning it, it seems like demand's pretty high for river cruising and, and for guests to get over to europe and uh, i imagine it's it's not just ama too it's it's a lot of segments throughout travel it's hotels and uh and ocean cruises and tour companies and things like that so hopefully it, it's a it's a golden time for the whole industry i think absolutely i mean everyone has heard the word revenge travel by now but what we really see is the demand this year is still a transition year, I would say, because there's a lot of question marks about, you know, entry, um, what do we people bring in order to enter the different countries in Europe and so on. So there's a huge jungle. Our travel advisors especially need to navigate yeah. through, right? Yeah. So my, I mean, really, I admire them. They are our frontline heroes. 
but there is this huge demand and um and 22 i mean we are already so much over more than 120 percent over 2019 which was our strongest year in history in fact we now have added two ships from our australian partner i mean we own the ships yeah. but we had shorted the ships out to our australian partner because they still cannot enter and they might not be able to enter Europe until next summer or, or so, right? So, but on the other side, the North American traveler wants to go to Europe and see it all again. And it's very adventurous and 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 has the confidence and, and how should I say it? I, that's why I also like to live actually in the US. I feel people have so much spirit and they want to and they go for and so on. and there's a lot of positivity here and uh, that inspires me also every every day yeah there is i think positivity is a good way to describe it they just people i mean especially i mean i'm i'm from the northeast so i think there's a kind of a flavor to the personalities here around new york too but like it just doesn't seem like people let obstacles get in their way or people don't appreciate appreciate obstacles especially from the state or the government, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so people, even my family, they've been very anxious to get over to Europe. They were very, they were very quick to be vaccinated. I mean, my, all, I was the last one to get vaccinated and I was vaccinated in the first day I was eligible here in New York. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of the history maybe too here, right? I mean, how people <laughs> came to the United States and, you know, they, because it was all about looking for, for opportunities, right? Yeah. So many, and uh, that's still in our DNA today. Exactly. And there's so many stories like, I mean, my father and mother had, they were both from Europe. They were both Irish. So they, they came here in their, in their thirties and they had me and my sisters too. So, and they were, that's how they describe it when I speak to them about it is they just seen a tremendous amount of opportunity over here. So have you talked to Gary Murphy then already? Because this is Irish heritage. I think you too could probably share a lot of, of great stories. Yeah, I do have some good <laughs> stories. I haven't shared uh, too many on this yet, but I, maybe I will uh, going forward. But my older sister's getting married in September. So there, all the family in Ireland is very anxious to come over to New York and see her get married and, and I guess have a vacation too. So I think it goes both ways too. There's, there's a demand and anxiousness on both sides. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, my daughter got married last year and that's when we had to scale down from 100 to eight people. Now, of course, in late October, she wants to do the big celebration, which is fine here for the US part, but I, I, I really hope that by then Europeans can enter the United States again, right? That's still the question mark right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I, travel advisors just have a tough, such a difficult job because the, the, the regulations, the rules, they seem to change every day. I, I can't keep track of them. I certainly yeah. can't. And I, uh, it has to be an impossible task for travel advisors. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have so much respect for, for that, for that faction of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing and I, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, I went to your blog cause I know you write a monthly blog and you've been writing it since 2013 and that's, that's eight years. That's a long time. And I went through this morning when I was preparing to talk to you today, I went through a lot of the posts and it just, you can almost see your history in those blogs. It, it's such a special thing to have like this live journal almost. Um, I mean, I was just wondering like what, 
how how much of a passion project is that for you and and what what keeps you going back to writing every month well it's not just the blog right i'm writing a monday morning message uh, to all our team members uh, every every monday and um what it is is i believe we yes we have quite a history and not so many people know about this and we want to share it but we also want to inspire every day because these are still challenging times right and and um too many people tend to give up too early and we always feel that a good story will maybe you know give you some positive energy again yeah Yeah. i also feel it's important to know that a river cruise company has this heritage this heart and soul that is there from the beginning right it's not that you know managers coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving and so on i want our guests to know when they give us their trust that rudy and the late Jimmy Murphy and now Gary and I have been there from the beginning. And there is so much heritage in it and so much love for, you know, what we do and what we can bring to the table and provide. And that's when I always go and sit down and say, okay, it might be time for my next blog, right? And <laughs> yeah. what, what could I share now? And sometimes it's just certain events or happenings um, that we just had where I feel right maybe I should just share it with all the ones who want to look into our website and know more about our waterways. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it's also bringing the team to life, not just us, the the entire team, everyone who is part of the company, you know, our crew on board, the cruise managers, even the chef, the favorite cake of the chef. And, you know, because they are all part of, of this beautiful company and part of this success story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it is a success story. I mean, you'll you'll be celebrating twenty years next year, which is two decades. Um, do you, is there big plans in the works for for a for a twenty year celebration, or is it is it again you, you're taking it one year at a time? Right now? No, that is a little bit too far away now <laughs> yeah. next year. So, <laughs> no, I mean right now, um, let's just get started uh, with yeah. this, you know everything in Europe again, and hopefully. We can start in Asia afterwards and so on. Let's get all the ships back to the rivers and the crew members to work and the cruise managers. And then hopefully next year we will have the biggest celebration ever, right? Yeah. Well, I, I want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, too, because I know uh, I know you're three hours behind me in California. So it's always difficult to schedule these kind of <laughs> these kind of talks. But I do appreciate you, your candor and you're taking your time, too. And Congratulations on 19 years, which is going to be in a couple of days. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you. I very much hope to see you in person soon. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks again for giving us this opportunity. Really appreciate this and always love your sparkle, Daniel. <laughs> Thank really. you very much. And I, again, I, 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 can't, I can't say how much I am thankful for you always talking to me, no matter, no matter where I bump into you. Thanks so much. Until soon. Okay. All right. <laughs> Have a good week. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.